Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Hey guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And today I am fascinated to bring an incredible guest. And the reason why is I have two good friends, Eden and Kim, and they spoke so highly of this person. I have seen some of his work and what he does. I can't wait to get in the show. So without further ado, what I'm going to do, as I always do, is go through a little bit of uh, a rundown on my guests. So Purvis Taylor III is an award-winning celebrity life coach, author, and speaker. He is a master's in clinical psychology, and he's a highly acclaimed author of Survival Mode. As a result of his own trauma, he has dedicated his life to the betterment of one's mental and emotional growth. This passion he holds dear to his heart and is now helping men to become healthy emotionally and mentally. This passion to help men cultivate and develop their EQ or emotional intelligence inspired the creation of his new book. First and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. As I say, I was so excited about this show coming on because Eden and Kim, you recently did their show. But there was like, you need to speak to Purvis and what he does is absolutely mind-blowing. So a little bit about the premise of the campaign, just for anybody that's listening from your side. It was initially to change the narrative around mental health. So when I heard your story and when I looked into it, one thing that really resonated with me and what I've noticed through my campaign is more men are coming forward and openly sharing their vulnerability. And I know for you, reading a little bit into your book and your bio, it was all about, can you just tell our listeners, because what really fascinated me was that even at a young age, whether it was your intuition, when your father sat you kids down and told you about his own struggles, yeah. And you picked up on vulnerability being a strength, not a weakness. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, that, that moment was so powerful because um, I had never seen my father be that vulnerable before. He was always kind of like tough. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I always saw him as Superman, right? I think most, if you grew up with your father, you see your father as Superman, right? Yeah. And I knew that he had some some issues and struggles like that. But, you know, again, I saw him as Superman. And I just remember that day he sat me down and my brother and sister, and he told us, he was like, look, me and your mom are possibly going to get a divorce. And it's my fault because I have a drug problem. And he's like, drugs are not good for you. And your mother's a great woman. And, you know, what, you know, the whole spiel, right? But the moment, what was so powerful for me about that moment, as you stated, was that that was the first time I ever saw a man be vulnerable. And that was the first time I understood that transparency creates an environment for sharing. Mm -hmm. And so that lesson that he shared with me in that moment changed my whole life. I was like, oh, okay, so I don't have to keep things in. I can share them, but I have to be careful about and, and careful about who and, and when to share. That moment that he shared with us was like he was cooking breakfast for us before school. And that was a great moment. You know what I mean? A great oh, opportunity. My mother, I would say I was like 16. Right. Yeah, I would say it was, I was like 16. But, you know, that moment was so, it, it was so transcendent. And it's so funny, my brother and sister don't remember it. 
But I was like, no, it happened because we were all sitting there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that moment was so powerful for me and it helped me to understand that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness because my father was so strong in actually conveying and sharing who he was and where he was in that moment. And that was so powerful. And I think that in a sense is itself, because as you say, you look to your father as that epitome of Superman. So when somebody right. like that opens up, and one of the premises of the campaign is people who we often aspire or we look up to, once they change that narrative and open up that dialogue, it makes people go, oh, hold on a minute. It's not a sign of weakness to show your vulnerability. It's a sign of opening. But that takes me to the next question. So. Who, I know that that came to you in fruition around 16, but behind the scenes, for anybody out there, who is Purvis Taylor III? Tell us about yourself. Oh my gosh. I hate that question. <laughs> don't like talking I hate about that myself. question. <laughs> I don't like talking about myself. Um, it's funny. I, you know, I think that I'm a rather, I'm, I'm a country boy. I'm from, I'm from Lancaster, Texas. Hmm. I'm very, I think, I think I would like to think that I'm very simple, but my friends don't think that I'm simple, <laughs> but I think that I'm very simple. I think I, 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 I love to have fun. I, I'm a person who loves to have fun. I'm not as serious, believe it or not, given the work that I do, I'm very lighthearted. I'm very much a goofball. I'm very much a ham. Yeah. Um, but I do, but I am a, I am a man who is, who's on a quest for wholeness, who, who believes that wholeness is possible. Um, and I want those whose I cross paths with to have that same experience. So I'm a person, I would say that I'm a person that loves, loves people, ironically. I don't like people, but I love people. Does that make sense? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I've, I've got a really fascinating question for you. Oh, what, what rather yeah. I would say I'm fascinated in because I'm all about men sharing the vulnerability as well. So what led you mm -hmm. to the path of really becoming a life coach or coaching predominantly men? Um, well, you know, actually, I... I started out coaching everybody and I still coach everybody, but I, I just happened to develop a, like a niche in working with men. But how I became a life coach, my father actually, he, he ended up eventually um, overdosing from heroin. But one of the last conversations I had with him, he prophesied, I always say, he prophesied to me that I'd be doing the work that I'm doing today. And one of the things he, he specifically specified at the time, he said, you're going to help men um, to, be, to be healed. That was his exact words. You're gonna help men to be, to become healed. I know what he meant at the time. I was 24. Um, you know, obviously when he passed away, I kind of went through a very deep depression, and I thought about one of the things. I, you know, I prayed to God. I said, you know, please help me find some purpose in this. And one of the things that came about was like I've always been the person that people came to for either advice or I was always the safe space, which is I. Like you know what I mean? Like kids would come to me in, in junior high, middle school, and I was the safe space for them. Mm. And so that was the thing that actually brought me joy is, is, is was being of use to people and helping them to see beyond where they currently were. And so during that, that I would say like that lull, or cocoon phase, um, depending on how you look at it, um, of depression, mm. um, I was like, yo, you know, I, I wanna help people, but I didn't necessarily wanna be a therapist per se. I was saying, there has to be something other than that. And I think I saw on TV, I think I saw somebody, it, it had the word life coach. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to be. And that's kind of how it came about. 
See, I think that's so fascinating because on the side of the campaign and everything, it was so funny because my background is health and fitness. And then yeah. I took a year out to build my campaign. And actually something that I'd not done since college was working construction. Earned the double amount oh. of money so I could do the campaign on the side. Whilst I was doing that, Eden and Kim, I always say, were brought to me. And they're mm. very spiritual, like you'll know. And mm. things that have happened, my personal development, and I actually went on to qualify in my life coaching and performance. However, what I have noticed through it all, and I think because I went through adversity and I lost a friend to suicide and everything that I've come, I think when I hear the word life coach, how would you describe it? Because I know after looking into you researching and hearing you speak, you're so animated, your energy attracts it's your vibration. You just, you, I, can, I can feel it. We could talk, this podcast could go on for two bloody hours, mate. Um, and it excites me because what I have learned, I've like that word life coaching sometimes to me is so saturated because everyone's a life coach. Yes. However, what stands out for me is that vibration. You can tell who's making a difference in this world because there's adversity behind it. They become more empathetic. Yeah. And they feel, yeah. they feel people. Yeah. And I think that's what makes someone so intrinsically different when it comes to being a life coach. So for you, what would you, what would you say is the full reasoning? Well, I think you just described it for me. I think, um, I think one of the qualifiers to being a life coach is you have to experience life. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and I would say in some of the most ugly ways possible and come through it. Um, I would say for me is like, I'm really into the space of thriving and not, no pun intended based off my book, but really, you know, I, uh, I remember I dated this girl um, and she was a doctor and she taught me this term FTT, which is failure to thrive. And it's about babies who don't grow at the same progress as other babies. Right. Mm -hmm. It's called failure to thrive. And I was like, wow, it wasn't called failure to survive. It was called failure to thrive that mm -hmm. medical term. Right. And I said, wow, just in that conversation with her, I was like, oh, so we're not supposed to just get by. We're supposed to thrive. Like my wheels started turning. And so like, I really, I'm into a space of like you thriving, whether you are a bus driver, whether you are a model, whether you are a football player, whatever it is that you're doing in life, you're supposed to be thriving, right? And thriving doesn't mean that you're supposed to be a billionaire. Mm. You know what I mean? It means that you're supposed to operate at your best capacity. You know what I mean? So for me as a life coach, I look at it from the standpoint of I help people to thrive. Whether it's in, within your emotions, whether it's within your mental health, whether it's within you building a, a company, whether it's within your relationship, I am here to facilitate you thriving. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because people's thriving is so different. It's like working the body. People's body yes. and minds work totally different. And that's what I try and tell people. So people can look at what you do on the outskirts. And this is why I try to disrupt social media through the campaign and go, wow, yes, this, what you've achieved, like you're so successful. Glenn, what you're doing, you're so successful. Where I'm going, but you don't see behind the scenes. Like it, there's Ooh. a lot of work and it is a lot of personal development. And what I have learned on my journey, you have to sacrifice, you have to struggle yourself. You have to mm -hmm. overcome being comfortable at being comfortable. Being, yeah. No, comfortable being uncomfortable. You get Uncomfortable. Yes. And you have to be comfortable with pain. Yes. And that's the thing, too, is like they don't understand that. Like there is a pain that comes with the work that we do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you're not comfortable with that, 
you can't be a successful life coach. Like to your point, I do. The reason why I'm able to connect with people so well, I may not have had those same experiences, but I've experienced life in such a harsh way in some capacities mm-hmm. that I, the, the feeling I can, I can identify with that feeling that, that, that lull, that empty space. Right. But also at the same time, I also have an abundance of joy and gratitude and, you know, thankfulness that I know that I was created to do this because I, I'm built for it. I have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. But just because I had the bandwidth for it doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? And you can tell um, but I, Right. And I tell people, and I think you tell this, I mean, even from a fitness standpoint, there's a pain that comes along with it. When you're building a muscle, you're tearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so it can get repaired. That, you know what I mean? There's pain. Like, you know what I mean? As they say, no pain, no gain. So it's like, it's a... I tell people, I, I, you know, one of the things in thriving, right? I tell my, my clients that you have to be comfortable. I tell young people, you have to be comfortable with pain and process. You have to get acquainted with that. You cannot avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Totally true. Totally true. And uh, one question I'd love to ask you is, because um, I, heard, I, I heard you touch upon it, but how have you navigated? So you said it there. You was like, People come to you for advice. Friends come to you for advice. Where does it come to you navigating your own mental health and well-being? So I can see you probably take on a lot of people's energy as well, which drains you. When you're a coach, it drains you. So how have you managed to navigate through your own well-being at the same time as Um, people? I definitely, I definitely. Yeah, no, um, I definitely have become become more um, pronounced in my boundaries mm. you know what i mean i've definitely been like no i'm not no <laughs> like you know what i mean I've, I've got i've gotten comfortable with saying i'll tell friends like you know what i i have a client in the hour or i have a client in half an hour or i got to do an interview or a zoom call i said i need 30 minutes to myself mm. and so i'll i'll say that but i also see a therapist regularly um i also i pray a lot um i have friends I exercise. I do a lot of things um, that make me feel good, right? I'm yeah. great. Whether if, even if I just watch Hulu for twenty minutes, even if I just watch an episode of Family Guy, you know what I mean? Like I'll do something yeah. that I want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I know is going to make Purvis feel good. So like I'm. I, I mean, it's it's, a, it's whole. I watch what I eat. Um, I don't eat certain foods because certain foods don't make me feel good. Um, I drink lots of water. Like it's a lot of things. I have a playlist. I listen to music. I do a ton of things yeah. um, to, to, to make sure that I'm on point. Cause it's not just one thing. It's, it's all of it working together. It, it totally is. And going back to when you said, when you, when you did lose your dad and you went through a dark place, how did you mm-hmm. attesting to the campaign being about mental health and how people have overcome their adversity? How did you navigate mm-hmm. through that? Um, I, man, it was a lot of prayer. It was a lot of surrender. You know, the thing is, you know, I tell people all the time, you have to surrender to something greater than yourself. And it's not about being preacher or religious or anything like that, but it's the truth. You have to surrender to something greater than yourself. And for me, I surrendered to God. I was like, you know what? If I know that I didn't come this far in my life to, for it to end here, mm-hmm. but it felt like it was going to end there. Don't give me, no, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like it what I didn't feel that or I didn't think that but I had this I had to say you know what all of this stuff that I went through Glenn like I was thinking about you know being molested I was thinking about being bullied being emasculated losing my father 
career struggling at the time, not knowing who I was. All of those things were happening to me on top of my dad dying, right? So it was like when he died, it was like all of those things suddenly they came back to the forefront. I had suppressed them for all those years. Um, one of the things I, I one of the things I kept doing is like I made sure I spoke to somebody. Yeah. I made sure I had somebody who was accountable to me that I spoke to, I spoke to them throughout that whole process. Um, I prayed to God every day. Um, I was in church. I exercised. I, um, I, you know, one of the biggest things I tell people, I engaged in imagination. I started to imagine the life that I want. I said, I started to think about who I wanted to be mm-hmm. or what was possible. Even if it was like far-fetched, I didn't care. I spent time daydreaming. If, you know what I mean? And I think we discredit that. Yeah, I think we discredit that because imagination is really the thing. You know, I always say, you know, this is a guy, Viktor Frankl, um, who wrote that book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he made it through the Holocaust, right? The reason why he made it through the Holocaust is that he imagined his wife was still alive. He imagined um, that he had a purpose greater than this moment. And that was the thing that carried him through. And that's how he developed logotherapy, which means, which, which is based upon if you are this through in a situation you can make it through anything in life and so for me that's what i exhibited but i didn't read that book i didn't know <laughs> i didn't know that, that book existed at that time but but there was there was a voice inside of me that said kept going it's going to get better there was you know i'm not gonna lie there was it was god he's like yeah you're gonna make it through this but i saw myself in the position that, I, that I'm in today. I'm not fully in the vision that I saw, but I'm almost there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm so smiling inside because everything that you're talking about, where you've been is exactly where I am at the moment. I'm picturing myself where I want to be. It's that imagination. And unfortunately, through external factors, which you probably teach clients on that, we lose it as we grow. Yes. So it's so important. Yes. To go to somebody or speak to somebody, I always say, that can really go back to those childhood traumas because we suppress so much and it comes out later in life. I actually saw somebody who, mine came out and it was like, I was holding on to something I was suppressing from like four to five years old. So I got in touch with my parents and said, was there anything? And they was like, no. But the person I was speaking to said that literally we can harbor something that it could have been to me at four or five, moving up a year in school, and that could be so traumatic that I suppressed it, forgot about it, but later in life, it's come up, I felt uncomfortable at something. And it's just fascinating. Like, so yeah, that's why I'm so fascinated talking to you and moving on to your book. Just to add to that, but one of the things that's so true is like we're taught to, lose even the good part of being a child the aspect of dreaming and wondering and and playing pretend and imagination i said but that's that's creativity yeah like why why would you encourage that to be lost you know and i and and that's the thing that really kind of helps you get through certain things you have to be able to envision that's what faith is right you have no evidence of it but it's you have this picture in your mind and if you see it there that means that it does exist yeah and it can exist you, you see what I'm saying? So, like, never discredit the power of imagination. Well, I always, like, I've got two children, one seven and one two, and I just watch them, and whatever they want to do, they're just, the world's their oyster. They think they can do it. 
And like you sit there sometimes and, and you've probably done it yourself and you go, wow, they got so much balls. Like because yes. they're so ingrained and you're like. They're so wow. brave. They're so brave. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're just like, they fall down, they hit the head, they get back up, they do the same thing. And you're like, have you learned? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's but a, they go for it. But they go for it. They exactly. go for it. Exactly. And that's, you know, and that's what I want. That's part of thriving. Yeah. Going well, for it. You have certainly gone for it. And what you've done, yeah. now you've brought your book out. So I wanted to touch on your book because obviously yes, you touched on when you used to date the lady who was a doctor and about the five in. Um, tell us about the book and why you decided to put pen to paper. You know, it's funny. Um, I get a lot of prophecies. There's, there's a, a man, he told me like three years ago, he said, you're going to write a book and it's going to like revolutionize the way men deal with themselves and relate to themselves and my father also said that too like 16 years ago and i was like okay whatever you know <laughs> and then you know seriously i'm just like okay even my daddy said i was like okay daddy whatever um how i actually just started writing about it i you know i had been working in that space i had been working with men and young men and young young people in general for almost i think up to like maybe six seven years at that point and throughout the years i started to see that some of the young men weren't um, that I would create safe spaces for them that they would share their emotions and mental health and where they were. But I noticed that some of the teachers couldn't create, re recreate that. And I had a niche for it. Right? right. I also had adult clients who had the same experiences. Right. And so I kind of first saw that we were going to be in like a nine one one in terms of mental health around men of color, especially right in the, in, in the United States. And so I wanted to offer something that, um, that was part of my solution. I wanted to offer a solution. I wanted to be a part of helping. Um, and I wanted the book. So here's the thing. I always say to people that trauma, you can do two things with trauma. You can build a house and live in it, or you can build a bridge and take you to the next place. You know what I mean? Like we use everything. I believe nothing's wasted. We can use everything to take us to where we need to get to. For me, is it was the emasculation, the molestation, the low self-esteem, all those things I use now to be a successful life coach, right? And so I wanted to make, I wanted the book to be a bridge. I wanted it to be a bridge to take me from, to take men from just surviving a life to thriving. And so that's why I wrote the book. I said, you know what? There is not, this is a 911. And I need to offer my piece, my, my part of the solution. And so that's, that's what the thriving mode is. And this is a question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. So. Firstly, what has the response been in general to the book? And secondly, you've obviously done amazing things with your career. And I love to know the person behind the career because for me, there's always yes, something that draws me to a story and why someone is so passionate. Now, has there been a moment in that time? You've got accolades, you've got achievements. Behind yeah. all that, has there been one pivotal moment for you, Purvis, where somebody has affected you to the core, to your soul, because you've changed their life by your words or by your book. Can you remember that? Oh, man. And this is going to sound arrogant, but there's so many. Oh, my God. I can't. Yeah. Honest to God. Um, there was one man. There's somebody who I went to high school with who actually just inboxed me on Facebook. And it's funny because I didn't really have that much of a relationship with him because he's older than me. I, I had more relationship with his brother. And he emailed me, he sent me a message. He said, Purvis, he's like, I read your book. He said, I've had it for a while. He said, I read your book. 
And he said, I'm in therapy now because of this book. He said, my marriage has improved. He said, when it comes to conflict, I, I typically run. I jump ship when it comes to conflict. And your book has taught me how not to do that, how to, I need, how I need to express my emotions, what it is that I'm experiencing. And he said, I just want to thank you so much. And I've gotten so many messages like that from men. Like I've had, you know, I've had women who've read the book. I've had white women who've read the book and they said, oh my God, Purvis, this book is, I know this is written for a specific demographic, but it's helped me because I, I, it helps me to understand my emotions better. I didn't understand what I, I didn't understand what it was I was experiencing. Thank you so much for this. Um, you know, I just had so many stories like that. I, like, seriously, like I, I, I read them and I'm just like, what? From me? You know what I mean? Like, like little old me. And it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's just, yeah, it's just overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. All of it pierces me to my core. All of it does. Because I know, I know Purvis, you know what I mean? Like I know who I really am. I know that I'm silly. I know that I'm, I'm you know, I make mistakes too. I need to read my own book at times, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, I know that I'm just not this perfect person. So it's all of those things that, I guess that's why it pierces me to my core because it means that that God can use anybody and he definitely has used me. And I can see that. And I think what, what draws me to you with your energy and everything is you can tell you're very humble and the humility. You know that even yourself, you continue learning. And when it comes to what I, why I asked you that question is because with what I've been able to achieve, I, I've put on workshops and I've put these things. And it isn't the whole thing about putting it together. It's when it's happening and you can sit back. So for you with your book, yeah. you can sit back. And you just watch people's reactions and how your words. And when you said that you got a Facebook message from an old friend, I always say to people, you just never know who's watching. Because that person at high school could have been someone you looked up to, like the, the, the captain of the football team. And you thought, oh, that's yeah. And then they send you that message. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's uh, yeah. mind-blowing. But, um, and it's been so many messages like that. I mean, even just life coaching even from workshops that I've done, it's been, yeah, man, it's, it's been a lot. And it's like, I don't, and I, I will say this, and I would suggest this to anybody who's a life coach who's listening, please, you know, like, obviously you don't become arrogant with it, but do sit back and sit in that moment, sit in that space of knowing that you've helped somebody, that you've been used to help somebody. So when the testimonials do come, sit, don't ignore them. Don't think, okay, on to the next client or on to the next thing. Do sit in it and have that experience for yourself. Yeah. Because I think it's when you realize that you're actually, the ser- you're doing the service of others. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've never been, I've always sat on the fence with spirituality and that, so I'll not go full into that, but tell you something, yeah. God's come through you. And what you've been yeah. able to do with all that. So, well, I know you're a busy guy. So tell everybody where they can get the book and where they can find out more information and what's coming up for Purvis. Well, I've been working. I need to fix PurvisTaylor.com. So I've been very bad at, about that. But they can get the book Sir Thrival Mode off of Amazon. They can get it off SirThrivalMode.com. And if they want to find out anything going on with me, they can definitely check me out on Instagram at Purvis Taylor. Cool. Well, I'll put all the links up and um, you guys are still in lockdown, yeah? Somewhat. I mean, I actually just came back from vacation. Oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, somewhat. I think we're like in phase three, phase, like the gyms are open and, you know, yeah, kind of sort of back, kind of, kind of uh, sort of back to some normalcy. It's good that gyms are open because that's one of the biggest things for mental health, just for a little bit of clarity. Yes. But I, I always finish off with this little bit of a little bit of a joke. So just because we're in the future, you did make it, mate. Like America's still here. <laughs> yes. I always say because everyone. I like, remember that. I remember <laughs> that you guys are like two, two, two days ahead of us, or a day and a half, right? Yeah. Oh, because you've got a friend over here, haven't you, Sydney? You was. Yeah. You were saying. My, my, so I, I worked with the aim. The AIM, um, it was like an organization called AIM, and we were at, we were in Wollongong, and we were with AIM, and it was a great experience. I had Australia is a beautiful, beautiful country. Beautiful. We've just got crocodiles and sharks and anything that can get you, mate. So <laughs> that's the that's downside. You just don't go in the ocean. Um, no. Yeah. But I just want to say on behalf of myself, the campaign, um, guys, go check Purvis out. He's doing some incredible things in the world. But you can find this episode or all our latest episodes via Spotify or iHeartRadio. Just simply subscribe and head to the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Until next time, guys, thank you again, Purvis, and enjoy your day, guys. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.